0: The Strangeful Things Podcast is a funny, irreverent exploration of all things strangeful. You'll hear the stories you haven't heard before about the topics you love, including cryptids, ghosts, UFOs, serial killers, exorcism, poltergeist, cannibalism, the Bermuda Triangle, murder, monsters, malevolence, and more. Join your hosts, Katie, Jen, Christie, and sometimes even B-Nev and Kenny every week as they dive into the mystery behind your favorite mysteries by delving into the bizarre and fantastic to give you a listening experience unlike any other podcast around. The Strangeful Things Podcast, guaranteed to tingle your spine and tickle your funny bone. Download on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Find them online at strangefulthings.com or on Facebook at facebook.com strangeful. At the intersection of hilarious and horrifying, abnormal and paranormal, sensational and strange, you'll find the Strangeful Things podcast. Subscribe today. This is author Raymond V. Feist. Hi, this is R. Scott Baker. This is Anthony Ryan. The Grim Tidings podcast welcomes Delilah S. Dawson to the show. Delilah, thank you for joining us today. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: This is literary agent Mark Gottlieb from Trident Media Group. This is David Anthony Durham.
1: Hi, this is Melanie Matters. Hi,
0: this is Brian Staveley. Hello, this is Jesse Bullington slash Alex Marshall. Hi, this is Jeff Salyards. Hi, this is Michael R. Fletcher. The Grim Tidings podcast proudly welcomes Steven Erickson to the show.
2: Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward
0: Hey there, it's Rob from the Grim Tidings Podcast with a special episode, Wizard World Portland. I had a chance to hang out at Wizard World in Portland at the Oregon Convention Center just this past April 13th, 14th, and 15th Met some awesome authors and had a blast and recorded some very cool interviews for your enjoyment today. Guests included J.R.R.R. R. R. Hardison, L.M. Pierce, Felipe Caño, Annie Belay, Christopher Jerome, and J.S. Fields. And, of course, there are links in the show notes for all the authors mentioned on the show today. You, too, can meet and talk with cool authors at Wizard World all summer long. Just visit wizardworld.com for upcoming tour dates across North America. Again, that's wizardworld.com special thanks to wizard world and all my cool guests for being a part of the show today thanks for listening enjoy the show It's the Grim Tidings Podcast. Rob Matheny here at Wizard World, April 13th, 14th, and 15th in Portland at the Oregon Convention Center. I'm here with past guest J R R R Jim, in parentheses, Hardison, author of Fishwielder, Demon Freaks, the Helm graphic novel, is joining me again live in person at the convention. Jim, how are you doing
3: today? I'm doing very good. Thank you very much.
0: Uh, We're down here at the con. We are hanging out. Um, How is Wizard World Portland going for you so far?
3: So far, it's going great. There have been tons of people by. We've had lots of conversations with folks and sold a lot of books, so I'm really happy. You're very
0: busy at, at uh, cons. I follow your social media feed there. Um, so you're, you're on Facebook at Fishwielder, uh, Twitter at Fishwielder, Fish <laughs> Fishwielder.com. Yep. So Fishwielder is kind of the, the what you want to take away from this if you want to follow uh, Jim on social media. Uh, but you're all over uh, cons from what I see. You do, you do uh, quite a few cons, and you have a great display with um, banners, you have books, pins, all kinds of cool swag how important are our cons for you at this point in your career as a writer
3: i feel like they're really important because it's an opportunity to meet people which gets them turned into readers and once they get turned into readers then they come back for other books later on so it's a great way to build a fan base and that's what i'm out here doing is meeting people and building a fan base
0: and then you've got a lot of cool swag out here on the table for folks who haven't had a chance to stop by or, or won't have a chance to stop by this weekend what are some of the cool book swaggy things that you have out on your tables here
3: Well, so I've got uh, posters made up for each of the books. They're basically just the covers of the books blown up as 18 by 24 posters. Uh, Those get really popular. People love to take them. But remember, if you're going to give away posters, bring rubber bands so you can roll them up for people because people hate to fold them. Uh, then I also have, uh, for Demon Freaks, I've got guitar picks because it's about a band. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got buttons for both Demon Freaks and Fish Wielder. Uh, there are bookmarks that are uh, Demon Freaks themed bookmarks. Used to have Fish Wielder ones, but those are all gone. And then I have a lot of stickers. And I also have coloring book pages because sometimes. People are traveling around with their kids at the con, and, you know, it's good to have something that the kids can do. And your artist is with you today here, correct? Is that right? Yes, he is. uh, Herb Apon, the fabulous Herb Apon, uh, comic book artist extraordinaire, and he does the covers for all my books.
0: These posters are friggin' awesome. They look really cool, great artwork. They're super huge. So you gave me a copy. Thank you very much. I will hang it on my wall in my bedroom with pride right over my bed so I can see it every night before I go to bed and every morning. As I rise, I'll see the, the J.R.R. Hardison poster. So thank you again. You were on the, on the podcast about a year-ish ago, we we talked about Fishwilder, which is a funny book. Hurt my face when I read it. I remember that specifically because I was laughing so damn hard for every chapter. So, uh, Folks, be sure to check out the show notes. Uh, we'll have a link to uh, Jim's website, fishwilder.com. Pick up Fishwilder as well. Um, what's been going on with you in J.R.R. Hardison land ever since the podcast? What, what new things have been in development there for you, Jim?
3: Well, I re- released a new book, Demon Freaks, which is a horror comedy novel. It's kind of like Punk rock, Hardy Boys versus Monsters and Evil Golfers. I'm sure you fought evil golfers before. Yeah, all the day So and that's every like day. the point of connection with the audience around that. Uh, but it's basically like there's this high school punk band, and on the night before their SATs, they decide to go study, really go jam in their secluded cabin in the woods. Apparently they haven't learned that you don't go to secluded cabins in the woods. So they go out there and that's where they get attacked by a cult of insane golfers who are trying to summon a demon and they need sacrificial victims. And then things kind of go downhill from there.
0: That's hilarious. How do you come up with that stuff? Are you just sitting in your bedroom and then just brilliance just strikes you? Where'd you come up with an idea like that for Demon Freaks?
3: Well, I, I can't vouch for it being brilliant, but I'm usually yeah just sitting around and I'll think, like, hey, you know what would be funny? And then I start riffing on it from there and it turns into a book. Excellent, excellent.
0: And you got a beautiful cover. Uh, you definitely, uh, and that's Fiery Seas Publishing. With- yes,
3: Fiery Seas. Uh, those guys have been great to me. I love Fiery Seas.
0: They so they hooked up with uh, Fishwielder and then uh, Demon Freaks. So you're doing you did the fantasy comedy with Fishwielder. You're kind of doing the horror comedy with Demon Freaks. So it was like sci-fi comedy or something next for you. What's next down the pipe I, for Jim uh, Hardison?
3: <laughs> I do have a sci-fi comedy in the works, but that one's going to be a little Yay! wild. Okay. I did the the superhero comedy when I was working with Dark Horse. That's the graphic novel, The Helm. The Helm, yeah, it's
0: a very cool uh, graphic novel. So you have uh, what was it four volumes all yeah, in one
3: now? A four volume mini that they turned into a graphic novel. And then the next thing I'm working on at the moment is the sequel to Fish Wielder, Fish Wielder 2, A Fish Out of Water, which I'm about uh, two-thirds of the way through writing. Okay.
0: Any idea on maybe a release date for Fish Wielder 2 for those chomping at the bit to get more of some koi fish action?
3: You know, I hate to be all George R.R. Martin, but but I don't actually know. Um, Like I said, I'm about two-thirds of the way through writing it, and I'm fairly certain I'll be done with the writing before this year is out. Okay. The real issue is how long it takes the publisher to get it printed. Uh, it always takes longer than you'd figure. Right.
0: The breakneck speed of publishing in 2018 <laughs> continues to be at a lightning pace. Okay, so you got Dimming Freaks, you got FishWielder, you got The Helm, which is a very cool graphic novel. Um, so, fishwielder.com is the website for uh, folks who want to drop by to check out everything that Jim has going on. You're going to be on site uh, tonight until 7 p.m., and then you're going to be on site Sunday here at wizard world uh anything any expectations you have going in uh to tomorrow for the last day of the con
3: uh no they usually they tend to be kind of a really nice mellow day like lots of people come through because they're all the people that couldn't make it earlier so it's not like it's slow but everybody's a little more laid back and you know the sundays are always fun cool
0: What advice would you give to maybe an author listening to the podcast now who maybe has some books that they could sell, maybe has an opportunity where they could take advantage of cons, but hasn't really taken that step yet? What advice would you give to that author who maybe should take that next step to making cons a part of their marketing strategy?
3: I would say it's a great way to get in front of people and actually connect with them, like meet up with people. There are people who come along. And, you know, I'm giving away free swag, so people come and stop. And we just start a conversation, and maybe there are people that would never pick up the book, you know, if they encountered it on Amazon or something. But we start talking, and they're like, hey, you're funny. And then they start to suspect that maybe the book would be funny. So what it does, it gives them a little bit of a taste of who I am as a writer, which gives them a feel for what the book might be like. And then they pick up a copy. I'm always amazed at how many people are willing to take a risk on a book at a con. So if you're, you know, an author who's got some books under your belt, or you're just starting out, uh... you know get an artist alley table set up meet some people talk to them about your book it's way easier than i thought it would be like i'm not a person that's very extroverted but I really like talking to people about books, so I have a lot of fun that way.
0: I like talking to people about books, too. It's kind of one of my favorite things to do. And what's maybe kind of like the general expense maybe one for somebody starting out for maybe a, a con like this? What would be the general expense out of pocket an author might expect to pay uh, to maybe break even on something like this?
3: So it really depends a lot on the con. Wizard World is one of the bigger ones, so they're more expensive. Like a booth at Wizard World, this booth is about $1,200, wow. I think. Okay. Yeah, if you get an artist, artist alley table, they're more like $800. Okay. And there are smaller cons and um, you know they don't even need to be necessarily a lot smaller like Rose City is much more affordable it's like $1,000 for a booth or like 600 I think for a Artist Alley Table. Don't quote me on those prices okay. they change them. <laughs> but then there are lots of smaller cons too there's like uh, WesterCon and there's um, you know like more writer cons rather than comic cons mm-hmm. and those tend to be much more affordable and uh, still a good place to meet people that are more interested in books and less in like pop culture or superheroes
0: do you have a preference over like a literary con or a comic con do you have a personal favorite
3: no I like them all uh, I'm indiscriminate <laughs> <laughs>
0: Very cool. Well, fishwielder.com is the website to go check out all things by J.R.R.R. Hardison. Buy his books on Amazon. uh, Review them on Amazon and Goodreads. Uh, Check him out on Facebook and Twitter. Read Fishwielder. Read Demon Freaks. Uh, Jim, thank you again so much for being on the Grim Tidings podcast, for meeting with me in person. And hopefully this wasn't as awkward as I I thought it might be, but it's...
3: Not at all awkward, and thanks so much, Rob, for stopping by and for what you guys do with the Grim Tidings podcast. That is an amazing show. I love listening to the podcast, and you guys are awesome for giving people all this great press.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Jim Hardison, have a great day. Enjoy the rest of Wizard World, sir.
3: Thank you very much.
0: It's the Grim Tidings podcast. Rob Mathini highlighting some awesome authors here at the show. Make sure that you visit wizardworld.com for all the upcoming dates, for all the cool cons they have coming up, highlighting Awesome authors, like I've talked to today, will be throughout the country. So be sure if you want to engage and meet and talk to and buy books from cool authors featured at the Wizard World Comic Con, visit the website, find out the dates coming up, who's going to be there, buy a ticket, and support cool indie authors. Uh, My next guest on the show today is L.M. Pierce, author of Trans Liberty Riot Brigade. L.M., should I call you L.M.?
4: Lindsay is fine.
0: Cool. I'll call you Lindsay. Um, thanks for joining me on the podcast today.
4: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Um, so we're going to talk about books. That's usually the subject matter at hand here on the podcast. So let's first talk about um, your book a little bit. Uh, tell us about Trans Liberty Riot Brigade and why you think listeners should pick up a copy.
4: So Trans Liberty Riot Brigade is set in the future United States after they've built the giant wall and it features a population of people of 40% are born intersex and sexual assignment surgery is mandated by a totalitarian government. Um, no No one's allowed out, no one is allowed in, and it's basically about the struggle of individuals to determine the rights to their own body, which echoes a lot of the things that we're seeing today. Um, It features a diverse cast of intersex, transgender characters, pansexual, um, I have an ace character, there's bisexuality, poly relationships, so there's a lot of representation in this book. It's the first in a trilogy, and the second book should be out this year, third book we're shooting for next year.
0: And what was the inspiration for the story?
4: Well, I mean, we're surrounded by great stuff. I mean, (laughs) and I use the word great, very lightly and uh, facetiously. Uh, Lots of terrifying things are happening. Uh, But I was inspired by things like 1984, Handmaid's Tale. Um, I'm really into stuff like Man in High Castle, if anybody's been watching that show, Black Mirror. So I kind of have always been toying with the idea um, that builds on current trends. Now, unfortunately, I wrote this book before Trump was elected, and I feel the need to qualify that I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, this was supposed to be fiction. So yeah, stay tuned for my non-fiction titles coming soon. So
0: it's a planned trilogy then?
4: Yes, it is.
0: And who is your publisher?
4: Nine Star Press and they're an LGBTQ publisher based out of New Mexico.
0: And are they currently accepting submissions?
4: Yeah, they're always looking for fresh voices. They're looking for good representation across the spectrum and they're very committed to unique POV.
0: Excellent, and that's a genre fiction?
4: Yes. Um, They do, you know, I mean, there's romance, but they do, in fact, they're one of the few publishers who are championing, um, you know, intersex, transgender, and across, like, science fiction is really big. You know, my book's obviously a dystopian. Um, So we're not seeing a whole lot of rep in those genres, and it's continuing to grow, but Nine Star is definitely championing that.
0: Cool. So Nine Star Press is the name of the publisher, so folks can check them out on uh, Twitter as well. So if they wanted to uh, submit some quality LGBTQ genre fiction There are looking submissions presently so be sure to check them out and that is your publisher now so have they picked you up for the trilogy are they uh, are working with you on book two yes where are you at uh, on the, in the process of writing book two
4: so book two is i would say about halfway done but um, i'm also in graduate school so that always kind of puts a <laughs> a kink in my uh timeline uh but the summer's coming up and so i'm looking forward to being able to finish the second and third book and get those slated
0: so what's your major in uh, graduate school?
4: Uh, I am in a counseling psychology program uh, for a master's in that at uh, up in Lacey, Washington.
0: So slightly busy with that schedule then.
4: Yeah, just a little bit. It's like they want you to do things when you're in school. It's very
0: often Study, read, et etc.
4: Yeah, I mean apparently that's that's a thing. Jeez. Very inconvenient.
0: Let's talk just a little bit more about uh, Trans Liberty Riot Brigade. Can you tell me maybe about uh, the lead character in the story?
4: Yeah, so the lead character, um, their name is Andy. And um, they basically come from the the bottom of the bottom. You know, they're um, involved in sex work. They're drug addicted. They are completely oppressed by this totalitarian government that tells them that they don't have the rights to their own body. Um, They are also intersex. And so... What's happening with this population of people is that uh, 40% of the population is being born intersex. And so some individuals who are born on the streets or um, who are born to say prostitutes aren't actually born in hospitals. So they quote unquote escape that mandated surgical requirement and spend their lives kind of on the run trying to avoid the surgery that they don't get a choice in.
0: How have readers responded to your book so far?
4: Um, it's been actually really great. Uh, super positive, supportive, supportive community. Um, it's a very heavy slang. There's a lot of dialect. It's a very, I will say, very gritty. And so it's definitely, <laughs> it's one of those like you really, really love it or you, it's just not for you kind of thing. But readers have really, really liked the world. And it's also a little terrifying because, like I said, there are a lot of themes kind of correlating with what's happening now but that I think makes the work even more important.
0: You've been at uh, Wizard World here in Portland for the past weekend, hanging out with a couple of uh, authors here at the table as well. Um, How has the con gone for you so far?
4: Uh, It's been great. Every time we come to Portland, and we do other Portland cons, um, Portland always treats us real good. And, you know, it's kind of like gay land, we jokingly say. Uh, You know, it's no longer San Francisco, it's Portland. Uh, So they're always really, really ecstatic. We get a lot of young readers who come running to our table saying, oh my god, you know, gay authors, this is amazing, because there is a real thirst for queer literature and there's not a lot of options out there. So it's really great to be part of putting the word out there and giving them some hope and inspiration. We get a lot of um, writers who are thinking oh I really, I have this story, this character um, you know, but they're gay and I don't know. And it's just really great to be able to provide that encouragement and say hey we're here doing it there's an audience, there's a readership people are looking for this um, content.
0: That's wonderful.
4: Yeah, it's been really really great. We love Portland.
0: Yay hometown city of Portland. Love, I love being from Portland uh, representing cool stuff um, so, just as a as a writer, um, what's your current writing schedule look like? Do you write every day, or do you have a current writing like daily goal or anything like that?
4: Um, no, I'm I'm what I'd like to call a pantser and a binge writer. Uh, I write as I can, being in school. Um, so, for example, this semester I took extra classes, so I have written almost nothing. However, the summer will roll around, and I'll like. bang out 50,000 words in a couple weeks, Mm. you know, so that's totally possible. Um, It's basically striking while the iron's hot and um, as time allows.
0: Uh, What's your current uh, marketing strategy as an author using like Facebook or Twitter or um, Goodreads or anything like that to get your name out there?
4: Yeah, we're all over social media. Um, You know, so you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I definitely have a Goodreads profile. Our books are all available through Amazon and all major retailers online. Um, We're in local bookstores. um, And we're also in like the Eugene, Barnes & Noble. So, I mean, we're, we're pretty much all over the place. You can definitely tweet at me, um, leave comments on Facebook. I love interacting with readers or people who are just interested and in, in the community.
0: What's your uh, Twitter handle?
4: Uh, it is at LMPierceBooks.
0: And do you have a website, too?
4: Yeah. It's piercebooks.com.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. And then um, could you maybe tell me uh, what's the best writing advice that you have ever received?
4: The best writing advice I have ever received is ass in chair. Books only get written if you fucking sit in the chair. I don't know. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast?
0: Absolutely.
4: (laughs) So, I mean, that's really the best advice. There's a lot of people who come up and they're telling me about their wonderful idea, their wonderful character. They have all of these like amazing storylines, but it never makes it to the page. And so that is the ultimate thing. It's like, who cares if it's shit? Who cares if it sucks? First draft, just get it on the page because you can always go back and make it better. But I'll tell you how many like writers who said, oh, once upon a time. And so don't be that person. You know, make it happen. Tell the stories you want to tell.
0: L.M. Pierce, author of Trans Liberty Riot Brigade, says get your ass in the chair and write the damn book. Thanks so much for joining uh, me on the Grim Tidings podcast. It's been great to have you on the show.
4: Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: It's the Grim Tidings Podcast. Rob Matheny on site at Wizard World, Portland, April 13th, 14th, and 15th in Portland at the lovely Oregon Convention Center, hanging out with lots of cool authors today at Wizard World, having a great time. I'm joined today with Felipe Cano, and he is the writer of the comic series The Few and Cursed. Is that right? That's perfect. Okay. And then you are the owner of Timberwolf Entertainment, LLC. Is that right? That is correct. That'll be me. Currently, you have three issues of The Few and the Cursed available now. You have a Kickstarter going on right now as well. I'll have the link in the show notes for listeners to check that out as well. And that's to back issue number four of The Few and the Cursed. And that's going on, and that'll be live when this episode drops. So, uh, folks, I highly recommend go check out the Kickstarter. Definitely back Issue number four. Check out the cool video and find out the cool stuff that they have going on. But we're here today to talk about this awesome graphic novel, which I had a chance to thumb through and preview some killer artwork. Go ahead and tell my listeners a little bit about The Few and Cursed, uh, a little bit about it, a little non spoiler preview, and why you think maybe they should pick up a copy.
5: Uh, Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, The Few and Cursed is a supernatural Western and uh, it takes place in a world that uh, for the better part of the last 70 years most of the water has been gone so people have been crossing oceans in horseback and uh, the few people that did survive and they're just trying to make do some of them turn to uh, the occult, mystic arts, dark stuff, curses and uh, that's where our female protagonist comes in she's a nameless character we only know her as uh, the redhead And she's a curse chaser. She goes from town to town, ending curses. And you're right about the artwork. It's phenomenal. I highly recommend people to uh, come check it out because Fabiano's work is really stunning. He's done a lot of stuff for Marvel and DC. And now he's really uh, invested in this creator owned. Uh, We both are authors of this. I'm the writer. He's the artist. And I really hope people come check it out. So check
0: out the Kickstarter. Just uh, type in the few and cursed And is it cursed or cursed? It's uh, the few and cursed. Cursed, okay. All right, so cursed is the correct. Pronunciation. Excellent. So issue number four, currently on Kickstarter for folks who want to back that issue as well. What are some of the cool, uh, maybe supernatural elements that readers might expect to find in The Few and Ah,
5: That's a good question. Um, the uh, On issue number one, where we uh, sort of set up the character, we show her battling a gigantic snake called the Tsukali. That's, uh, that's, that was fun to do. It was fun to see Fabiano uh, come up with that. Uh, but basically, the uh, the first arc, the first story arc, is made up of six parts, and it's titled The Crows of Manaulana," and uh, it's the redhead ver- versus these gigantic crows that uh, sort of kidnap children at night while shredding the grown-ups to pieces. <laughs> that's G D A F is what we call that. Grimdark AF.
0: Uh, that's really cool. Uh, any
5: other cool supernatural elements folks might find? Uh, yeah, uh, the Chronicles, we really use that to expand the world. And uh, one of the things that we did was have, uh, we delved into a little bit into Persian uh, mythology. So that was really fun to study and see how to use some of that. So we have some Devas uh, that's part of this universe, which I hopefully plan to use in the future. Uh, one of our artists did like a a pinup of the redhead as her death version. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we're looking to do in the future, which is sort of curse the redhead herself. Uh, that was done for fun, but it really fit the the, the lore of the book. And uh, I licensed the IP for a board game a company called Rock Manor Games that's coming out early 2019. And one of the features of the game is that you, you have, like, a curse uh, threshold that if you pass it, that character becomes cursed. So we'll definitely use the, uh, the death uh, version of the Red Hat. Um, and that's just some of the cool stuff we have. We have plenty of more, but I don't want to spoil. Okay, long. okay. But folks can check out the Kickstarter then, and then uh, fun
0: issue number four, and then plenty of more cool things to come out from Timberwolf Entertainment. LLC. Uh, what made you uh, start a, a small uh, a publishing press, a comic publishing press like Timberwolf? What prompted you to do that?
5: Uh, to be honest, I did try to, to find a publisher for the film curse. We had done like a, a one full issue that was supposed to be our preview issue. To uh, reach out to publishers, and most of these guys, they're like, Oh, we want to see more, we want to see more. And then it hit me like, if they want to see more, I'll just self publish, you know, I'll just do it myself. And luckily, we've been doing pretty well on Kickstarter that uh, every time we do a new book, uh, we grow uh, our fan base. So we've been funding projects faster and faster, and obviously, we're not selling at the level of a dark horse or image, but. On the other side of the equation, we do make uh, a little bit more money selling less stuff because it's all profit. It's all owned by me and Fabiano. So that's sort of what prompts uh, me to create my own label and just do things myself.
0: That's very cool, so it's been going successfully for you. And I'm looking at the Kickstarter now, and you're at $21,427 of a $7,000 goal, so you're about three times
5: funded over. Yes, three times. We're doing, this actually got funded in seven hours. Damn! <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a uh, top-selling title. Uh, it actually surprised even me, because uh, past Kickstarters, once you had a, a fan base, it, it, they do fund faster and faster but that was a huge leap for us like we've been funding stuff for in the first two or three days Mm -hmm. this was a phenomenal you know leap for us you know. so things are going very well for you guys then yeah we've been uh, unlocking some stretch goals so if people go on Kickstarter right now uh, they're going to get like a fridge magnet they're going to get cards they're going to get posters they're going to actually get twice the number of books because we're doing like the full color edition which is the regular books we we put out but they're also going to get the uh, same issue same 32 pages long in full black and white in uh, in, like traditional western like cool Yeah, so, you know, lots going on, and we do have some more interesting uh, stretch goals to uh, go after, which I really hope we can. One one of the things that we're really excited to do is uh, cross the 1,000 backers milestone, and if that happens, every backer pledging at any of our print tiers is going to get, like, a nine-card set. So that's sweet. exciting. Yeah. Lots of cool swag. I know folks love the swag. Uh, what is
0: that sweet spot that you would like backers to uh, back ideally for that Kickstarter? What's the main? Usually it's like 50 bucks or something like that. But do you have a main uh, main sweet spot that you'd like backers to check out?
5: Well, uh, new readers, I always like to uh, encourage them to get the uh, the first four issues in a bundle. So mm-hmm. I think that's the uh, $45 pledge, if i want to say, or the $40 pledge with $5 shipping or something like that. And for that, you're going to get like the first four issues and a lot of swag mm-hmm. uh, for those complexionists out there that want to have it all, yeah. they can always add like a, a hardcover print of the Chronicles of the Finkers or soft cover. And the way I've set up the, the Kickstarter is basically uh, all our different books. So it's really, I don't, I don't say I have a soft spot, it's really up to the, uh, to the reader. Uh, for those that already have past issues, we have a uh, $14 uh, tier, which is basically issue number four and all the swag. Mm-hmm. And one of the coolest things we've done on this Kickstarter is have a Kickstarter exclusive cover, which we're gonna print on demand. Okay. And that cover is being done by Harvey Tollebaugh, and it looks phenomenal. It should be up uh, by the time this podcast airs. Cool. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. And again, they
0: can check out the Kickstarter page to find out more. Um, and then uh, for listeners uh, checking out the podcast who are listening to you uh, finding success as an independent... Uh, Self published comic publisher, writer, and then your artist is here as well. What's maybe some advice that you would give to maybe somebody who was in your footsteps maybe a couple of years ago where they have some great ideas, maybe some great illustrations, and maybe want to start their own comic thing? What's some advice that you would give to them if they want to start on the same venture that you're on now?
5: Uh, stick to it, be really tenacious about it. Uh, you know, beginnings are always very tough uh i even like the phrase from uh, uncharted uh, greatness from small beginnings because usually that's that's how it goes i i i I don't feel like i've achieved greatness yet uh but i'm pursuing it and it's been going well uh i love what i do you got to be passionate about your craft and about the stories you want to tell and uh it takes time so that's why i say stick with it like we've been doing the thinkers for two years and obviously the first kickstarter we've done didn't get funded in seven hours Mm -hmm. you know Uh, so yeah my, my best advice is to not let it go and aim towards the long haul Great advice, great advice from Felipe
0: Cano from Timberwolf Entertainment, LLC. Be sure to check out the Kickstarter. Links in the show notes as well if you want to check that out. Felipe, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast today. Best of luck to you with The Few and Cursed, this awesome comic series. Uh, I can't wait to dig into issue number one as well. Uh, But thank you so much for joining us on the Grim Tidings podcast. And best of luck to you with the rest of Wizard World.
5: Well, thank you so much. It was awesome doing this interview. And I'm just flattered. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
0: It's the Grim Tidings Podcast, Rob Matheny on site, Wizard World Portland at the Oregon Convention Center, hanging out with some cool authors. Again, you can drop by wizardworld.com to find out more about the cool authors they have on tour all summer long, find out about upcoming tour dates coming to a city near you in the U.S., most likely, so drop by the website. I'm joined by my next author on The Price is Right. It is Annie Belay. Annie, thanks for joining me.
6: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, Great to have you on the show. Tell me a little bit about yourself, please.
6: I am a gamer and nerd, (laughs) and uh, I'm an author, and I write a lot of things, but mostly fantasy at this point.
0: And there's a T-Rex listening to Ozzy, rollerblading past us, just an example of more fun and excitement that you can find at Wizard World, interrupting our interview, but we're going to be back to that. That's
6: amazing. That's
0: pretty amazing, (laughs) right? that's exciting don't miss out folks
6: that's not every day <laughs> not
0: every day that you see that um so you write what's called fantasy for gamers and nerds that's really awesome because i'm a nerd i like fantasy and i'm a gamer and most of my audience is too so i think your stuff is going to be right up my listeners alley so go ahead and tell us about your series it's called 20-sided sorceress tell our listeners about uh, book one and why you think maybe they should pick up a copy
6: so book one is called Justice Calling, and you should pick up a copy because an ebook right now, it's free. And if you get the ebook, you can also get the audio for just two books. Or you can buy the paperback, which is in a com- an omnibus form, and it's called Level Grind, and that will give you the first four books. And that's out from Simon & Schuster, so that I don't control that one. But the ebooks, I control.
0: And then it's AnnieBallet. That's A N N I E B E L L E T. dot com is your website for folks to check you out.
6: Yep, and you can and I'm on all the websites. I'm in libraries, bookstores. You can pretty much find me anywhere. I'm very Googleable. Googleable. Googleable.
0: Very cool. Um, so tell us a little bit about the premise of Justice Calling.
6: So the twenty sided sorceress, basically the main character. Her name is Jade Crow. And she is a sorceress who is in hiding from her evil ex-boyfriend because in my world, it's kind of like Highlander. There can be more than one, but sorcerers can gain each other's powers and knowledge by eating each other's hearts. And in fact, that's Mm. the only way to kill a sorcerer Ah. is if another sorcerer eats their heart. So her... X wants to eat her heart and gain her power so she's hiding out and the reason it's called the 20-sided sorceress and it's definitely for gamers and nerds is that one she owns a game store all her friends are gamers she's a gamer and she learned to use her powers by playing Dungeons & Dragons as a teenager in the 80s so I basically use it as an excuse to like work in all the references to all the shit that I love that I grew up with in the 80s and 90s
0: Cool and then turning that into a, a business. So this is uh, so is this series self published or indie published?
6: So yeah, I started out self publishing it. I've sold over half a million copies Woo! of the ebooks and audio myself.
0: God
4: damn.
6: Yeah, so it's it's popular, I yeah. swear, and you can try it for free. But Then it was very successful. And then so Simon and Schuster came to me and they bought the print rights. So that's why you can get Level Grind and Boss Fight are the two omnibuses. And those cover the first seven books. And then book eight is out and I'm doing the print for that one. And then books nine and ten will be out in the next few months. And that will wrap up the series.
0: So, you're kind of a hybrid author
6: ish? Yeah, so we call it hybrid. Mm-hmm. So, I'm both trad published and indie published, okay. but I actually make more money on the indie side. <laughs> holla. Yeah.
0: Dollar, dollar bills. Holla. Okay. And then. Um, and this is my
6: full time job. This is all that job. I do. I've, I've been since 2009.
0: Since 2009, I've been a full time writer. Yeah. Is the con circuit important to you?
6: No. No. <laughs> this was an experiment. This is my first time at Wizard World. Really? Okay. Yeah. How did it go for you? Um, Pretty good. I think we're, we're closing in on like 80 copies, which is pretty good for okay. a weekend. Okay. For books
0: Did you yeah. have any expectations going in?
6: I just wanted to not sell nothing okay, Don't I mean, that's go totally bust, want to go totally bust right? right, yeah. And I've had a few people come by and be like, oh, my God, I love this series. And I'm like, I'm the author. And they're like, really? So I think they had a different image, but it's all oh, right. Oh, okay.
0: Okay. Very cool. What's the genre of the series? Is it, it's it's not- urban
6: fantasy. It's urban fantasy. So, like, if you like Dresden Files or the Mercy uh, Thompson series by Patricia Briggs, mm-hmm. it's like that, but with, like, the nerd portion taken to 11.
0: All right. Super so, nerdy version. So,
6: like, super nerdy. I'm not kidding. Like, these are super nerdy. Although I did have a friend of mine who's not a gamer at all and Ooh. not into any nerd stuff except. Okay like you know some of the movies yeah. i had her read it okay. and was like does this still make sense and she was like oh yeah it was great i just had to look some stuff up cool. so
0: okay so you don't have you're to not be...
6: like hardcore gotcha you probably won't get all the references but it's not like the references are only the, the thing in the book
0: right not so there's also a story gotcha. there we like story in books that's always yeah. good as well
6: i figure a plot's helpful you know who cool some, characters.
0: Yeah, those are always good. Cool characters. Um, and then uh, your cover art is fucking amazing. I'll give you uh, kudos for that as well. But, Do you have a cover artist? Yeah.
6: Her name is Raven. She lives in England. Mm-hmm. And she's like my art half. I just I just tell her, I'm like, this is what I'm envisioning. And it's all like through emails and stuff. And then she's like, does it look like this? And I'm like, yes, that is exactly what I wanted. So... She's really helped me like build my brand, and she's super awesome.
0: How important is it for an indie author like yourself um, to have cool, badass cover art?
6: I think it is one of the most vital, Like, basically I always say the foundation is a really great book. Mm-hmm. Because no matter how good your marketing is, nothing's gonna sell the next book except for a really great book. Because people's time is finite. Mm-hmm. So even if your marketing gets them to buy the first book, if they don't enjoy it, nobody's gonna buy the second book. So I think, A great book is your foundation. But after that, what's the first thing everybody sees? It's your cover, right? Mm -hmm. So that's basically your next step. Your cover has to be on genre. It has to tell people what they're looking at. Mm -hmm. You know and so they so if it's like urban fantasy generally urban fantasy covers have people on them Um, There's something that hints at magic or what's going on in the world Often they're like really strong looking characters or you know like mine's a nerd so she's using magic on the cover She's not like wielding a sword or anything. She's not a badass chicken leather because that's not Jade at all (laughs) You know, she's a she's a gamer like come on So I think the cover is like the next step and then of course the book description Really helps because Mm -hmm. people want to know what they're reading and if they're gonna like it. And you don't want people who don't like what you write to read your books because that's how you get bad reviews. Sure. So you know those are people who are not your reader picking up your book and being like, this isn't what I wanted. Or or the people who complain they're swearing in the books. I'm like, really? You swear a
0: fucking lot, right?
6: Yeah, I I I fucking swear a lot. (laughs) I mean, dude, this is a book by a gamer about gamers for gamers. And if you've ever watched any Twitch channels or like gamed with anyone (laughs) ever, we all fucking swear all the. (laughs) fucking time like you know holy shit balls swearing happens so
0: good shit all right yeah uh excellent um i'm going to ask you a few writerly questions just because we have a lot of writers who listen to the show what is the one piece of writing advice the, the best piece of writing advice that you've ever received
6: Ooh. so when i first started out i wrote a lot of poetry and so i was very good at beautiful prose but i wasn't so good at some of the story elements i think And then I really struggled with dialogue. And so I used to try and write stories with no dialogue (laughs) to get, just like ignore it. Wow. And then I was taking a workshop with Whitney Otto who wrote How to Make an American Quilt. And she like said this one thing to me that just like switched something in my brain and suddenly I could like think about dialogue. And she's like, it's not always call and answer. That was her advice. Hmm. So just because someone says something doesn't mean that any of the other characters have to respond verbally. Ah. And so that your dialogue doesn't have to be like, well he says this and then they say this and then this has to follow. It's like sometimes you can skip some of that and just do your interactions through physical reactions or you can just skip to the next relevant thing someone would say. And so I don't know, like that was really transformative for me.
0: Wonderful, great advice. Uh so marketing strategy. Uh what is your general marketing strategy? Are you like on Facebook or Twitter or Goodreads? I
6: mean yeah. Well, other people have my book on Goodreads. I, As an author, I don't really go to Goodreads, because mm. we joke that there's a darkness there that does not sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we just leave Goodreads alone. That is a place for readers. You don't, like, I try not to read my reviews. I just let it let it go. Okay. So uh, Wizard Spoilers. World is
0: going on um, all summer long. They're going to be featuring cool authors just like yourself all over the country. What are some of the ways that uh, readers can support cool authors like yourself?
6: The best way to support authors is to buy our books. Like, buy new copies if it's a paper book. Buy Although, really, if you buy used copies and then you talk about the books to all your friends, that's also cool with us. But we get money directly when you buy new copies. Buy the ebooks, buy the audio. Write reviews, especially if you really liked the book. We love that. And also, tell your friends, because word of mouth is the absolute best. I, re- I get so many books. Because my friends are like, oh my God, I read this thing. And they talk it up and they're like, it's like pirates and like, you know, Star Wars and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I got to read this. So always tell other people when you love something because that works the best.
0: AnnieBelay.com is the website. Uh, books available now. Book, uh, see, there's eight books in the series. There's Wha-
6: eight books out, and then book nine should be coming out in the next month, and book ten will follow that.
0: Very cool. Drop by the website, and then you're on Facebook, social media, yeah, uh, Twitter. I'm on.
6: I'm not terribly active on my Facebook page, but I will post new releases. I am pretty active on Twitter, but mostly as a person. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't. I don't really push my books on social media much because, okay. like. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a good marketer. I mostly am just like, here's a you good You sell a butt
0: ton of books, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, then what's the secret? Cause it, um, they're good. They're okay.
6: <laughs> I sound so arrogant. No, <laughs> but that's... Like, no, like, I think that... I know that, that I fulfilled a niche that I wanted to read, which was a book about gamers that didn't, like, dumb down the gamer references for everybody else. Like, I wanted to write about the people that I know and that I am. Mm-hmm. And so, I think there was a real want for that. Like, people want nerdy books. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I wrote
0: it. She wrote it. So to find super nerdy books, head over to AnnieBelay.com. Again, we'll have the links in the show notes for all the cool authors on the show today, so be sure to check that out. Annie, thank you so much for joining us here on the Grim Tidings Podcast, and thanks again for hanging out.
6: Thank you very much.
0: It's the Grim Tidings Podcast. Rob Matheny on site at Wizard World Portland at the Oregon Convention Center hanging out, uh, doing some author interviews today, meeting some really cool people, cosplayers. Um, Just having a blast down here and I came across this fellow and he's got a press called Dark Tidings Press and he's an author and his name is Christopher Jerome. Christopher, thank you for joining me today, sir.
2: Thank you, I'm happy to be here. It's my first con and it's pretty exciting. First con, how is it going so far? It's been great. Um, Yesterday it was a little slower start, but I knew that would be the way it would go. Um, Saturday has been awesome. I've had lots of people come by, get books, pick up our comic. I've been pretty happy.
0: Very cool. Actually, I interviewed Jim Hardison, J.R.R.R. Hardison, author of Fishwilder, just a few moments ago. He's done quite a few cons, and I actually asked him about um, uh, if authors were listening to the show and they haven't stepped out and done a con before, or for you, this is actually, you, you said, your first con? Yes. Uh, what prompted you to start um, attending cons like
2: Wizard World as an author? So it was actually um, two years ago we came to Wizard World just as fans, and um, I saw a couple small press booths and got really excited and thought, you know, this would be exciting when I get a little farther along in my career, and then now, two years later, it felt like it was the right time.
0: Excellent, excellent. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you've got a press and you've got some books. We'll talk about books first, because that's kind of what we like here on the Grim Tidings podcast. You um, have some wonderful cover art, but let's talk about your first book here. I'm going to grab a copy um, the paperback here. It's Wrath. Uh, of the Fallen. Beautiful cover art. Tell me a little bit about this book and maybe why you think listeners should pick up a copy.
2: So I like to describe my series as Terry Brooks meets Clash of the Titans. There's giant monsters awakening from their slumber and wreaking havoc. The gods play an important role. Um, There's some POV characters. They have very human qualities. You've got wars between demons and paladins. Um, I try to tell a really cool epic fantasy story with some really human elements Um, This Wrath of the Fallen is just the first of a much larger world. I've got a sequel, Cries of the Forsaken, coming out in a few months. I've got um, some novellas that are tie-ins. The plan is for the Gods and Men cycle to be um, just a really huge, all-encompassing fantasy series that's going to span thousands of years in this world. Um, One of my big things is, as much as I like pseudo-histories and the world of ice and fire, those kind of things, I want to tell the history of my world by actually writing stories, not just having a fake history book. So I have the history planned out, and each important event is going to get its own story. Um, Each important event is going to have characters that we can empathize with and actually follow along instead of me just saying, this is what happened 100 years before the book. You're actually going to get to read it.
0: Very cool. Kind of a show-don't-tell.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Um, So the cover art is fucking awesome uh, for Wrath of the Fallen. Who's your artist?
2: So there's an interesting story behind this. Uh, There's a little bit of hard feelings. Um, I met this guy in DeviantArt. Sanjin. Um he was great for this cover. And then I commissioned him to do another cover and he ran off with my money. Oh. <laughs> so now I'm on to a different uh different cover artist for the next couple okay. books. Um but I, I still I love this cover. Um I I really like wraparound covers, so if you look at the actual book, the image does wrap all the way around. I wanted a more painterly style, and I wanted an epic scene. So without spoiling anything, the cover is an actual scene from the book. It is the climactic moment of the whole novel. And um, the sequel, Cries of the Forsaken, the cover is a climax of one character's story. So that's something I try to do. The cover is kind of a spoiler without spoiling anything.
0: Nice, very cool. So Wrath of the Fallen is book one, and then you've got book two, uh, Cries of the Forsaken. And when is that due out?
2: Um, That's due out in probably the next three to four months. I'm just wrapping up the second draft. The editor's ready to take it, and then we'll be locked and loaded from there.
0: Well, we've got links in the show notes, of course, as always, for folks who want to check out uh, Christopher Jerome's books. Uh, You can check out uh, Dark Tidings Press as well. But uh, what's the website if folks want to check you out?
2: Darktidingspress.com. That's going to have links to my books, um, some of the other authors we're starting to publish. It has a reading order. It has a really detailed timeline of the world with art. Um, All of that is art that I pulled from our graphic novel that's upcoming as well.
0: And then are you on social media like Facebook or Twitter or anything like that?
2: Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm on Twitter not as frequently, but I do have a pretty active Facebook page for Dark Tidings Press where I try to share updates, pictures, um when I'm writing, I usually, if I have a really badass line that I like, I'll, I'll plug that in there and, and have the hashtag for whatever book it's from to try to get people excited.
0: And you've got to, like a few titles. So you have a, the book one, which is a novel, then book two, which is a novel, and then you have a novella and a novelette. What prompted you do to write kind of the shorter story length for your uh, story
2: world? So the novelette is called The Bandit's Balance, and um, I actually wrote that with the complete intention of giving it away for free. So if you sign up to our mailing list, that's the freebie you get. It's about three chapters long, um, and it's a backstory of a character from Wrath of the Fallen. And then for the novella, I was actually just sitting in an art class when I was going to college, and I came up with this idea that I thought would make a great story, but just wasn't long enough to be a full novel. And it, it just grabbed a hold of me and wouldn't let go until I finished writing it. and So it's actually one of my favorite things that I've ever written. And it's set about a thousand years before Wrath of the Fallen. Like I said earlier, it's part of my process of telling the history of the world with actual stories. We also have a web serial on Wattpad. Illustrated chapters come out. Every two to three weeks or so, um, that's a sequel to that novella, The Nightbreaker, so you can check that out also.
0: Where would they look uh, for you on Wattpad?
2: If you just look for Dark Tidings Press or Christopher Jerome, you should be able to pull it up. It's called The Northern Campaign, um, and it follows a a very specific part of the war that this series is about. Um, Like I said, it's illustrated. Our graphic novel illustrator does a little um, chapter header illustration for each part of that as well. And the next step for Dark Tidings um, and then for the series is that graphic novel. Is that right? Yes, that should be out by the end of the year. Um, Patrick Burmeyer is my illustrator. He's also attending the con. It's his first con as well. We went to college together, and we hooked up there, and... um, um, he's doing the he's done the art. We've wrapped in somebody to do the colors. Um, the cover of the graphic novel was actually colored by the guy who does the colors for the Batwoman comic. So I actually had a, a real pro in the industry step in and help with. Cool. That. Yeah, that's awesome. So what uh, prompted you to start Dark Tidings Press? Not everybody wakes up in the morning and says,
0: "I think I'll start a small press publication." It's not the easiest business model uh, in the world, I suppose. But you, for some reason, decided to start Dark Tidings Press. And one big question I usually like to ask on the show is why people do things, because it's a very fascinating answer most of the time. So why did you decide to start Dark Tidings Press?
2: Because I I really always like having a project, um, and I like having creative control, uh, my my day job at the moment, because I don't write full-time is I'm a manager at a car dealership, so I like being involved in business. But what it came down to was the cover art you really like the cover art, so do I. I wanted complete control. Um, I didn't want somebody in a marketing department telling me this is what your book should look like. And really that more than anything else is what made me decide that I wanted to run the show. Are you just gonna continue with your own Dark Tidings Press and just continue to publish your series
0: underneath your own imprint then?
2: Absolutely, and we're currently, um, Dark Tidings Press is bringing in some other authors that I've got to meet that were maybe going to go the indie route or wanted to traditionally publish, and they decided to kind of come with me. So we're going to grow and to be a real small press with multiple people. Very cool.
0: So uh, tell us about uh, the author that you have. You you have one author who's signed up who you're going to release the title. Tell us a little bit about that author and that title you've got forthcoming.
2: Yeah, so his name is Caleb Chandler. Um, The series is called Dark Ocean. The first one, A Memory of Solstice, is coming out in a couple months. Um, We just got it back from the editor, and he's finishing up his edits on it. Uh, It's kind of a, it's a portal fantasy, so the main characters get transplanted to another world from our world, Um, but they have... They have their own special powers, so it's almost like X-Men meets portal fantasy. Um, these guys have elemental powers they didn't know about, and they end up going to this planet where humanity originated from. I thought it was really cool when I um, read it, when I met him, and then I asked him, because he, he approached me and said, hey, could you give me some input on being a writer? And then I, after reading it, I was like, hey, you know, I'd love to publish this with my book. You know, we got Strength in Numbers. Do you want to come and join Dark Tidings Press? And he was on board from the beginning.
0: Are your books on Amazon too? Once they come out, as well?
2: They are. They're on Amazon. You can get them on Kindle. Um, Wrath of the Fallen has an audiobook available on audio as well, on Audible. Excuse me. So you can you can check them out on our website. And you can get them on Amazon. Um, we have paperbacks and hardcovers of everything. I know a lot of people moving towards eBooks, but I, I love having a, a dead tree edition, and so that's uh, that's a big deal for me. Being able to see it on my shelf, and and I love having them for other people to buy them that way as well. And who are some of your uh, influences as an author? Terry Brooks is a big one. I've got to meet him several times in person, and he's always a gentleman. He's been great. Um, And then, because I was a fan of Terry Brooks, I followed Sean Speakman's career a little bit and then watched as he came up with Grim Oak Press and and saw him start to do stuff on his own, and um, that was really inspirational. And then um, the guys that actually ran the self-publishing podcast, I know they've changed it over. That's not what it's called anymore. But um, they've been pretty inspirational, too, with their books like Write, Publish, Repeat. Um, and all of those kind of, you know, their, their self-publishing, self-help books, Were they were a big help for me in the beginning also. So you've really taken
0: this self-publishing thing on, like, full bore, like you fully want to go on self-published indie
2: from from here on out? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the kind of the way that I think about it is I want to be an indie publisher. And if it ever got to the point where I got approached by a, a, a big traditionally published uh, group, by then I don't need them <laughs> when they're coming to me. So I'm, I'm happy doing it the way it is. I do have a day job, but that's all right. That finances this. And um, I like I said, I like kind of running the show and it's great.
0: So we do have a lot of uh, writers who listen to the show who are on the fence uh, between should they self-publish or should they go the trad route. Um, since you have gone the self-published route and seem to be finding success so far, what's maybe one of the biggest principles or uh, keys to success so far that you've tapped into to be successful with self-publishing that, that maybe other listeners could glean from?
2: professionalism. I mean, you want to make your book indistinguishable from a traditionally published book, be that with the cover art, the book design, the layout, and especially the editing. I mean, it's kind of beating a dead horse. Most people don't need to hear this anymore, but some people probably still do. Make sure you hire a professional editor. Don't just do it yourself. Don't just have a friend do it. Actually find somebody that's reputable and pay them is it going to be expensive? Yes, but that is what's going to determine whether or not people, uh, whether or not they buy you the first book, but then if they're going to come back and buy the next one because it was a good experience to read. And so that's kind of my goal with my books is to make it so that if you found it on a you know, a shelf in a bookstore somewhere, or picked it up in the library, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference.
0: Great advice. And then, uh, in addition to attending uh, conventions like Comic Con, uh, what are some other um, ways that you market and promote your books as both a
2: writer and, and a small press? What are some ways that you get your name out there? So one of the things that's really important to me um, through a family connection, I got hooked up with a group called Altrusa. Um, they're like an international service organization. They do a lot of community service work and they bring me into local schools where I grew up in Eastern Oregon. And I talk to seventh and eighth graders and um, high schoolers this year actually about the process of writing and publishing. And, um, you know, yeah, I get some book sales out of that. I get some new fans. But really, I do that primarily to get people in love with writing and to let them know that if they have the passion for it, they can make it happen. And then just over the process with that, I've had people approach me. I've had a couple people this recent time hand me some books to see if I'd want to publish them. So I've got to get through those still. And then I get a bunch of kids that email me and they, you know, they want feedback. They want some help so that's turned into a great marketing platform for me even though that's not what the original intent was the original intent was to just help the kids so if you find an opportunity where you can talk to the community you can actually talk to real people i think that's great but being an active member of fan communities online is cool as well um i'm a member of our fantasy i don't talk about my own book on there a lot i don't post a lot but i read stuff on there every single day and i know that it's a it's a really big help when you join in online and you join in in the discussion Um, You're not just there to sell your book, so don't just go there and plug your book because that's kind of in poor taste. But if you actually become an active member of the community, eventually people will find out that you're a writer and then you'll, you'll reel them in that way. And that's a legitimate way to do it and actually make a connection with somebody because at the end of the day, especially when you're small, um, and it's the same, same principle that I get from the car business where my day job is, you got to make connections with people. If you just go for a hard sell, you're never going to get anybody, but um, it's, it's better to get a fan than to just sell one book. Authenticity goes a long way. Absolutely. People want to know that they're buying from a real person. And people don't like being sold to. So really just connect with people as a human being and as a fan of fantasy, as a fan of reading and writing. And then eventually the sales will come after that.
0: And that's uh, reddit.com slash r slash fantasy. We've talked about them on the show before. Great online community. I think they have like 150,000 plus members in that online community too. So Christopher Jerome, thank you again for uh, joining me on the podcast today. Uh, That's darktidingspress.com, correct? Yep and then uh, folks can uh, drop by your website sign up for that newsletter get that free novelette absolutely as well best of luck with the rest of Wizard World and best of luck with Dark Tidings Press and your cool book series and thank you again for joining us on the show tonight
2: thank you happy to be here
0: it's the Grim Tidings podcast Rob Matheny on site Wizard World of Portland at the Oregon Convention Center April. role 13th, 14th, and 15th. It's been a wonderful con, hanging out with some awesome authors. Again, you can drop by wizardworld.com to check out the uh, dates coming up over the summer of the awesome cons coming up where you can meet and greet the awesome authors authors just like I'm having on today on the podcast so be sure to check that out and uh next author I have on the show today is author J.S. Fields. J.S. thanks for joining me on the podcast.
1: It's great to be here thank you.
0: Uh go ahead and just tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh so I am a nine binary author. I live in the Pacific Northwest. I'm also a professor in the hard sciences so I write science fiction and I work in science so it works out really well.
0: That's very cool and yeah yeah, I've got your uh, awesome card here and it says author slash scientist so that's pretty cool. Truth. What's your uh, major uh, field of study in science?
1: I work in wood science.
0: Very cool. Interesting. Well, let's talk about your, um, your book because we talk about books here on the Grim Tidings podcast. Um, Argelum is the name of uh, your main title that we're going to talk. You've got some other books out as well. And uh, folks can always drop by your website.
1: JSFieldsBooks.com.
0: And then you're on Twitter as well?
1: I am, yes, under Galactoglucoman.
0: And we'll have the links in the show notes as well. We're going to talk about your book, Arjulum. What's the genre for Arjulum?
1: It's science fiction. Um, it's a blend of hard science and space opera.
0: Uh, so go ahead and tell me a little bit about the book and why you think maybe my listeners should buy a copy.
1: Well, the tagline is lesbians in space, which if that doesn't get you to buy the book, I right. No, what will. <laughs> uh, you can think of it as very much like Firefly, but a lot gayer. The premise is there's a, a young outcast um, who's been outcast from her world because she doesn't believe in the religion. She ends up uh, signing on with the tramp transport. There's your Firefly tie-in. Um, In a galaxy that's completely at peace, well, the ship stumbles upon an armed conflict, which is completely outside of the norm. And uh, one of the things that comes out of this armed conflict is they end up rescuing a young girl who looks way too much like those gods that aren't supposed to exist. This child can uh, telekinetically manipulate cellulose. There's the wood science tie-in. And uh, it's sort of Neek, who's the main character. It's her journey into figuring out what's science and what is myth and and what is genetic manipulation.
0: Uh, And what inspired you to write this book?
1: Uh, my job, I get to see a lot of really cool tech that um, you know, probably won't be out in the world, if ever, but maybe for 5, 10, 15 years. You know, I've, seen, I've seen food printers that use cellulose. You know, I've seen the screens of the future that are cellulose, rolled up cellulose bundles, and I wanted that to be in science fiction because we don't get to see a lot of wood science. I mean, half your listeners, maybe even three-quarters, have no idea what wood science is, but it's uh, the future. Cellulose is the future, and I wanted that in books.
0: Um, and then um, you're through Nine Star Press as well? That's correct. Um, and when did you get hooked up with Nine Star Press?
1: I actually, um, they found me through a Twitter pitch contest, DV Pit, and uh, they liked my pitch and I subbed to them and I ended up signing with them.
0: And what's it been like to work with them?
1: They're an amazing press. They only do queer books. And so they're, um, they mostly do contemporary, but they're starting to get into more speculative fiction. But they're one of the only presses you can go to to get actually really good quality queer speculative fiction.
0: And we've been hanging out here at uh, Wizard World here in Portland. How has the con been going for you so far?
1: Wow, the first two days were absolutely amazing. Uh, we hadn't been to this con before, my group of friends, and uh, yeah, we've had amazing sales. It's been a really good con. Uh,
0: and how have uh, readers responded to Argulum since it was released?
1: It's been really interesting. Um, I'd say people are definitely split. They Everyone seems to really like it. There are um, non-binary, like, pronouns, in there, and I think a lot of people, it's odd, in science fiction aren't expecting there to be more than two genders, which is very strange to me because yeah. it's science fiction and yeah. we have a lot more genders even here on Earth. And so there's, there's been a little bit of, oh, whoa, what are these words that I don't understand? But outside of that, um, people have, haven't had any problems with the hard science. It seems like it's blended in really well. And, uh, yeah, I don't know I've had some really neat fan art and fan mail sent, so I've been really happy with that.
0: That's always cool to see the fan art of people inspired by your story.
1: It's true. I, my favorite thing that I got in the mail was someone made a nameplate for the Mercy's Pledge, and they CNC'd it out of wood, so it actually had Mercy's Pledge in the year the ship was made on it. I've got it hanging in my office.
0: That's badass. I, lo- I love that. Uh, who are your author influences? Who, who, who are some of the um, authors that you read growing up that influenced your writing?
1: Garth Nix, the Sabriel, the Old, old Kingdom series. I really like dark fantasy a lot, which is interesting because I don't write dark fantasy, yeah. but I really like reading dark fantasy. But um, outside of authors, I grew up watching a ton of science fiction, so Star Trek, Star Wars, the whole shebang, and so I really love a good space opera, Firefly as well. Although I had never seen Firefly when I wrote this, which was, it had ended up with a lot of parallels completely Mm. accidentally.
0: What's your plans for the series?
1: Book three comes out in June. Um, There's a fourth book that's going to be a book of shorts, in-world shorts, just to sort of tie up the loose ends. And then I'm going to let it rest for a while and see how it goes. Um, I I have another um, trilogy in-world outlined if there's enough interest in it.
0: So uh, book one and book two are available now and then book three coming out soon. That's correct and then the trilogy will be complete with those short stories kind of closing up the loose ends and then you're just going to let it chill for a while. But overall the story arc will be complete with the trilogy?
1: That's correct. It was outlined originally as a trilogy.
0: Excellent, excellent. So sometimes my readers are like, I kind of wait on books until the whole series is out. So if you're having that hesitation, the series will be done very soon. So I suggest folks take a chance and check out Argyllum now. I wanted to talk a little bit about writerly, authorly stuff as well. Um, Could you maybe tell me the best writing advice that you ever received?
1: Read it out loud before you give it to anyone. You have no idea how many typos you can find by reading your story to yourself. And pacing, so many pacing issues. If you're getting bored reading it to yourself, everyone else is gonna be bored too
0: great advice. And uh, what's your current uh, marketing strategy that you use uh, to get your name out there? Are you using like Twitter or Facebook or Goodreads or anything like that?
1: I um, participate in a lot of Facebook groups um, that are specific to the kinds of readers that I'm looking to get. I'm also on Twitter quite a bit as well. It's really important to leave reviews for books, whether you like them or not. There's neat algorithms on Amazon that will only pick up books if you've got 50 or more reviews. So I started doing reviews for books that are in a similar genre to mine. And uh, that really actually helps drive people to my site because I'm reviewing that are very similar to my book, and so the same readers are kind of all there. It's all about branding. Like, you can't just keep shooting pot shots into the dark, and so if, if you write, you know, female-female space opera, Um, You you know, read, of course, whatever you want and review, but you're not gonna get the same traction if you, say, do reviews for male-male contemporary because people who read that don't tend to also read female-female space opera.
0: Talking about supporting authors, what are some of the ways that uh, readers can support authors like yourself?
1: Uh, Once again, reviews, please, on Amazon, on Goodreads. Amazon's the most important, but if you're feeling particularly spunky, uh, there's also Goodreads, there's the publishers' websites. Leave reviews, they don't have to be long, they don't have to be thoughtful, they don't even have to be good. A one-star review is just as important as a five-star review. Like, you could literally just put book with an exclamation point and give it a star. It means so much to leave a review.
0: So even it was nice would be fair enough of a review. And then one star, two star, whatever star you think is fair.
1: Yes. In fact, sometimes, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but uh, I'm just like, you know, you could just put boobs. Just put (laughs) boobs in the review with an exclamation point, and it'll be fine.
0: Sound advice. The book is *Argulum*. available now. The sequel is available as well, with the third book to complete the trilogy coming out very soon. JSFieldsBooks.com. And then say that uh, Twitter handle
1: one more time for me. It's Galactoglucoman. It's funny for a wood scientist, because Galactoglucomannan <laughs> is a type of hemicellulose in wood. It's only funny to me. I understand that. <laughs> I don't care.
0: JS Fields, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Best of luck to you and your future writerly endeavors.
1: Great. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Grim Tidings podcast available online at thegrimtidingspodcast.com or on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegrimtidingspodcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Grim Dark Fiction and for daily updates on all things Grim Dark, be sure to drop by our Facebook group at Grim Dark Fiction Readers and Writers. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Grim Tidings podcast. We'll see you next time. If you love the authors you've heard on the Grim Tidings podcast, then you'll love Grim Dark Magazine. Interviews, articles, reviews, and the premier magazine for Grim Dark Fiction by authors such as Mark Lawrence, R. Scott Baker, Deborah Wolfe, and more. Get knee-deep in grit. Log on to GrimDarkMagazine.com.